This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today I would like to talk to you about amendments in the soil. What does amend the soil mean? Is compost the ideal amendment? What should I do if the organics are too low? Is there such a thing as too much organics in the soil? All this and more on today's Desert Horticulture. What does it mean when we amend the soil? If we look strictly at the definition of amend, it means to add something to the soil. But I would go a step further. I would say that whatever we add to it either has to improve it, well, has to improve that soil in some way. And either we need that soil to to improve from its composition or from its chemistry. The one that probably people focus on the most is the composition of that soil or how it improves the soil, how amendments improve the soil's structure or the composition of that soil or how it's put together. Increases the amount of pore spaces in the soil, makes it fluffier, whatever terms we end we add to that add to that definition of improvement of the soil. Also it talks in terms of amendments. We can also amend the soil so that it improves its chemistry by selecting certain fertilizers or chemical soil amendments to add to that soil. That will improve the pH of that soil, the components of that soil, the plant nutrition of that soil in some way. So we can pick, we, we can pick amendments that improve the soil from a structural point of view or from a chemical point of view. That's what amendments that's what amending the soil means. Two things that amendments do, then, they improve the structure of that soil to make it more hospitable for our landscape plants and may improve the chemistry of that soil, perhaps lowering the alkalinity or dropping the pH into an appropriate range for that soil or maybe add plant nutrients to that soil that don't exist in that soil without it, without the appropriate amendments. So when we're breaking down amendments, we can have it do either of three things. They can be focused on primarily the structure, improvements to the structure of that soil, or we can, or we can select amendments that focus on the fertilizer or chemistry of that soil. Those are usually fertilizers or something like a fertilizer when we add that amendment to the soil. And the third thing is there are components, amendments to the soil that do both, that can do both. But if you're not careful in choosing the right amendment, then you can go overboard. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So when we're talking about structural amendments to the soil, those things that improve the soil's structure, we're talking about things such as perlite, 
We're talking about things such as vermiculite, worm castings, peat moss, and even coconut coir. All of those will improve the soil chemist excuse me, the soil amendments, the the construction, the the structure of that soil and make it more porous. You know, that soil was fine as long as it was growing desert plants and as long as it was in a desert environment. There was nothing wrong with it. But as soon as we start making, as soon as we start adding amendments to that soil and then we start adding water on top of it, the structure and chemistry of that soil begins to change. So it's not stable. It's stable when it's a desert soil because there's very little water. But once we start irrigating, once we start adding amendments to that soil, it becomes unstructured. That soil is no longer a desert soil. It's an amended desert soil, having an organic content. So the two things that amendments will do is improve somehow the structure or improve somehow the chemistry of that soil. Those ingredients I talked about that improve the structure of that soil, things like things that I mentioned already. Now let's talk about those things that improve the chemistry of that soil, such as granulated sulfur. If we talk about granulated sulfur to lower the pH, the soil pH, to lower its alkalinity to a point that in most of our desert soils, the, the alkalinity or the soil pH is going to range 7.8 and above. And 7.8 is when we've added amendments. We Typically, if we add soil amendments to that soil, we can drop it into the 7.6, 7.8 range, oftentimes if there's not other problems. In a desert soil that we cannot drop that soil pH appropriately, then we have a problem. There are other amendments we have to use to drop that soil pH, but hopefully the landscaper or hopefully the contractor or hopefully the builder is aware of that and doesn't dump. I, I get a lot of complaints from people about the dumping of structural, of house debris, like siding and construction materials, cement and whatnot. Cement's not supposed to be uh, added to the property because of all sorts of reasons, but we could end up with all sorts of construction debris on the property. And if you see all that stuff, it's best to get rid of it. It's best to rake it out and get rid of it. Things happen. Sometimes they happen, unfortunately, okay? So the amendments improve the soil either structurally or chemically. And I talked about uh, soil sulfur, the granulated sulfur, the soil sulfur itself that you can buy many times in stores to add to the soil are little tiny rocks that you add to the soil. These rocks, their surface area is, to our eye, looks very small, but it's not very small. They're tiny rocks. And so the surface area of granulated sulfur, soil sulfur, typically is pretty large.
If we don't mix it in that soil when the soil temperature is warm and it's moist, then we're going to wait a lot longer for activity to occur. But if we purchase soil sulfur, the sulfur in soil finely graduated, granulated, like the kind that we add to soils that is more like a powder in form, then the surface area that is active with the soil, the moisture, the microorganisms of that soil, is much, much larger than if we add soil particles, soil, soil sulfur itself, uh, granulated stuff that we add to the soil. So you can see that by finely dividing, by cutting it small, by pulverizing, whether they're compost materials that we're going to be composting, such as, such as grass clippings, such as wood chips, the finer, such as such as organic amendments like eggshells, the finer we can, we can make those particles, the faster it's going, to it's going to compost at the same temperature and moisture level. Whenever we increase the temperature of a soil, we increase the speed of reaction. So we will speed up things as we're in, in presence of moisture. We'll speed up those things that composting, that process of making the amendments whenever we finally divide it, okay? So, well, what then is the, is the ideal soil amendment? Is it compost? Not necessarily. You can add lots of different thing and things into the soil and get it to act to improve the structure as an amendment or improve its chemistry. There are many, many different things. Compost is a finished product. It's uh, what the gardeners call black gold. Uh, and with that black gold comes a certain responsibility, such as the appropriate addition of that compost to the soil. So when we're talking about compost, the first two clear divisions are the hot composts and the cold composts. Hot composting is when we elevate the temperature, we raise the temperature of the composting process so it hits a peak at around 160 to 170 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot composting. Cold composting are at temperatures much lower than that. Usually 100 and, well, it could be the same temperature as the soil or slightly above it. So it will fluctuate. The advantage of hot composting is it can be done fairly quickly. It can be done fast if the particles are divided very, very small to begin with. We can have it, we can, we can produce a finished compost in six to eight weeks. Uh, that's acceptable. If, uh, if it's a rich compost versus a not rich compost, that's a little bit, that's also another division we can have besides hot and cold composts. Remember, cold composts, oh, the, let me talk a little bit, I forgot to mention. The hot composting, the reason we elevate the temperatures isn't only for speed of reaction, isn't only to make the compost faster, it's also to kill, kill certain microorganisms in that soil. Whenever we get the temperatures up about 160 to 170 degrees, for about 20 to 30 minutes, we start to kill microorganisms in the soil, including those that are harmful to humans. 
So whenever we're specifying a compost for human to add to the soil for human consumption, whenever we're talking about trying to add a finished compost, we should be looking at a hot compost, not a cold compost. Con cold composts do occur, but at temperatures much lower than that. So the chance for microorganisms can be higher. That process of cold composting can last months or it could even last years. It just depends on how warm the soil gets, how much how much coverage it's got by other plants, uh, yeah, the moisture content of that soil. It, there's so many factors that can govern whether that soil compost, that cold compost, is working or not. So the two divisions are the cold compost and the hot compost. Remember, hot compost are for things, usually they're made out of manures, either animal manure or human manure. There's called biosolid. Human manure is also called biosolids or composted biosolids if it goes through the composting process. It's not just biosolids. Biosolids are raw. Biosolids are things like poop, human poop. Animal poop would be considered technically manure. Well, it goes through. It still has some of some of the same uh, some some of the same pathogens, such as E. coli, that can get into plants that can get into our garden. So it's very important to wash your hands when you handle any kind of compost, whether it's been hot compost or cold compost. The hot compost typically is cleaner for humans to use than cold compost, but it just depends how fresh it was, how fresh that compost was. So when people ask me questions like, can I use steer manure or feedlot manure for uh, in place of compost, and I think a lot of it is because of price, the answer is yes, you just have to wait longer to, for it to compost. Because typically uh, when we're using any kind of animal manure, whether it's chicken, cow, horse, pig, whatever it might be, we have it go through a hot composting process in order to kill any of the the microbacteria, the any of the microfungi, any of the very small particle sizes, any of the human composting, any of the human uh, microbiology that could be harmful to humans, we're going to be composting that. And it, it does. If we keep those temperatures uh, 160 to 170, for 20 to 30 minutes, it kills almost all of the microorganisms harmful to humans. So hot composting can be very important uh, in some processes. But but cold composting also is important. Cold compost, I use cold compost. I use hot compost. I use them both. But the cold composts are usually for, for um, are, are used on under plants, in the understory of plants, to recycle nutrients back into the plants themselves. So, for instance, on a cold composting process, I'll take uh, leaves that have dropped from the trees and put it at the base of the tree and let them rot, let them enter the soil and enrich the soil, because they're going to add nutrients back in again. If we want a closed system in a farm, then you want to recycle as much of that product as you possibly can back in, much of those leaves as you... Back. Of course, anything that's taken off the property and sold or used for human consumption is gone. It's It's got to be replaced in some way. 
but any of the stuff that is recycled back into the farm, into the home property again, is saved. So, you know, when you're doing, uh, when you're having your trees trimmed, for instance, why not, why not have that compost, that those soil chips added back to the? Why not, why not leave them there instead of taking them to the landfill? Is what I'm saying. Why not chip that? Have it chipped or chip it yourself. It's too fine as fine a particles as you can get, and use it to enrich our soils. Desert soils typically will have less than one percent, a tenth of one percent organic matter in the Mojave Desert. It can range as low as that, especially in the Las Vegas Valley. Other deserts like the Sonoran Desert or the Chihuahuan Deserts or even the desert north of us um, will have organic contents a little bit higher than that. But anytime we're talking about organic contents that are in the 2% range, what are we talking about? Less than a tenth of a percent versus 2%. That could be a 220-fold difference in organic content to get it up to 2%. 20%, that 200%, excuse me, 20% increase, a, 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 more than doubling of the organic content that already exists in that soil. We'll talk about how to judge that in a little bit. But all I'm talking about here is, first of all, let's recap a little bit. If we're talking about amending the soils, we have two types of amendments, right? We've got those that improve the composition of the soil, that the structure of the soil, improve its porosity, make it more fluffy, whatever it might, whatever terms you might use. And then there's the chemistry. Most of our soils in our in of our of our desert soils will have, when they're amended, will may reach 7.6 to 7.8 as a pH as a soil pH and alkalinity level, the chemistry level. But if we can lower it less than 7.8 or 8 or 8.2 pH, the alkalinity of that, we're, we're improving that soil. And it improves the uptake of, of all of the nutrient elements. Whenever we get, a, get the soil pH, the alkalinity, closer to neutral, which is 7, we're always going to improve the uptake of plant nutrients. So... There are some solid reasons why we want to, well, besides the microorganism count, besides improving the soil itself, by improving the nutrition of that soil, by improving its chemistry, we can add amendments. And like I said, there are three types of amendments. Those that focus on primarily the composition of that soil, the structure of that soil, those that focus on the chemistry of that soil, including things like sulfur and other fertilizers, and then there are amendments that do both, such as the rich composts. The, the, the non-rich composts pr focus primarily on improving the structure. They add some amendments to that soil, but not as much as the rich compost. You know, I, was, uh, I do some consulting at, at uh, a, a soil manufacturing facility, a soil manufacturing, amendments manufacturing facility in North Las Vegas. And... Uh, if the rich compost that they get from from the Inland Empire composting facility comes out of landfills, it includes a small amount of biosolids as well. You know, a small percentage of that is biosolids, but it's very rich. The compost is very rich. 
in it. I've estimated, I went and looked at uh, the chemistry involved with it and the chemicals, the fertilizers involved in that in that compost that's made at the Inland Empire. And every cubic yard contains about $150 worth of, of, of fertilizers, of different fertilizers. But they're in plant nutrient form. They're the, the kind that can be taken up fairly easily by plants or used by plants. But anyway, with that, uh, so compost may or may not be your ideal amendment. You may look at st- structural improvement through the use of things like perlite or vermiculite or comp or, or peat moss or, or, or coconut coir or anything else. But you might also look at improving the amendments of that soil by adding a fertilizer, by adding finely granulated sulfur, by adding so many different things to that soil, you can improve the chemistry of that soil mix as well, of that amendment as well. So both of them. And then there are things like the rich compost that do both, that improve the structure of that soil and also deliver a fair amount of fertilizer as well. Like I said, about $150 worth in a cubic yard of that. But the drawback is that those kind of manure-based fertilize, uh, composts are also typically rich in, in, in human pathogens. So whenever you're dealing with, with a compost that comes from manure, manure-based compost, you always want to make sure that that's hot composted, not cold composted. So if the, the major difference between steer-lot steer uh, steer manure or steer manure and composted manure is the compost is the composting process the breaking down either the raising of the temperature in a hot composting process or not raising the temperature in a cold cost composting process in a cold composting process you have to wait a minimum of 6 months after it's been applied because of the the human pathogens that are subject to that can get into plants some of our leafy green vegetables primarily even that so whenever we're talking about uh, whenever we're talking about compost, it's important to to clean your hands, sanitize your hands. You know that that uh, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Do that while you're scrubbing your hands, washing your hands, and most most of the uh, of the effect is by rubbing them together. It's not just rinsing r- rinsing them off with soap and water. It's rubbing your hands together that gets rid of the pathogens that uh, may or may not exist on your hands. So it's important whenever you're handling any kind of compost, whether it's a hot compost or a cold compost, make sure you wash your hands. And also, whenever you're whenever you're uh, eating anything. Always make sure it's washed first before you eat it to remove any kind of potential pathogens that might be on the surface as well as pesticides that may or may not have been used on that product. So anyway, so if the organics are low, then let's talk about the color of a soil and the differences in uh, in, compos- in organic content in soils. For planting purposes, you need a composition of about 2% organic material. Well, how do you know that? Simply, it's by color. And the, the, the 2% organic content of a soil is a light brown. Is a, it's not a deep chocolate, chocolate brown, 
but it's a light brown. It'd be like a little bit of darker than coffee creamer in your coffee in the morning. If it's the color of coffee, then it's a dark, deep brown, and the organic content is much higher. The color of a soil is directly related to its organic content. In many cases, there are some tropical soils that are volcanic in origin that are black, typically volcanic in origin, that can be black and have a very low organic content, but that's typically not the case. In our temperate soils from our from North America and anywhere in the world that's not of a tropical nature, you can look at the soil content. You can look at the color of that soil and determine the organic content to some degree. So if you're planting with this soil, you want to get it at least the color of a creamer, a coffee creamer color. The coffee, when creamer has been added to it, that shade of 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 chalk of brown color would be enough. Uh, you know, there was. I have to give a, a shout out here to one of my mentors in 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 desert horticulture. Uh, her name was Hobby St. Dennis. She's passed away uh, quite a number of years ago. But she taught me, you know, I, I, when I first arrived in, in the desert climate, I brought with me some research from a, a guy in, in Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State University that basically said you don't have to add any. You know, yeah. it's, if the soil is similar to the kind of soil that he was using, you don't need to add any soil amendments. Of course, that jumped over into don't add soil amendments. Well, a lot of it depends on the soil amendment content to begin with. Remember, our desert soils have less than a tenth of 1%. So it makes sense that adding organics to that soil is going to improve it. Well, it, it improves it, right? It improves it, but yeah, but how much do you add? Well, when we're talking about, and this is something I've struggled with a little bit, when we're, ta- when we're talking about trees and shrub and planting it, you don't get any benefit if, it's, if the soil organic content is, about, is over 2%. Well, you could take that soil and send it into a, for a soil analysis, find out what the organic content, or you could look at its color, which you're going to do. So if you look at the color, like I said, if you look at it and you say it's, it's darker or as dark or darker than coffee with a creamer in it, then you're going to be most likely fine with that soil if it's from a temperate area. Just because it's 2% for trees and shrub planting doesn't mean that it's going to be the same percentage when we're growing vegetables. Vegetable production doesn't do well under 2% organic matter. It's much higher than that. So the soils are going to be a darker color when we want to plant uh, organics, organic material, when looking at the organic content in a soil for growing vegetables, it's going to be a darker brown. It's going to be closer to a black brown. It's going to be closer to the to a, to the coffee color after we've brewed it. That's the kind of color that we're looking for when we're look when we're growing vegetables. It's got to be much higher than that. It's got to be much higher than planting trees and shrubs when you're planting lawns, for instance. Well, in Las Vegas, I don't think that's going to be gone, but when we're talking about planting lawns, typically 
we're looking at the same 2% organic content as trees and shrubs, but it's going to be mixed much deeper than that, 6 to 8 inches deep for establishing lawns. Um, so anyway, 2% organic content, the color of a coffee creamer in coffee, is going to be that organic content that you need for establishing trees and shrubs, not the light tan color that we're used to seeing in many of our Mojave Desert, eastern Mojave Desert soils. It can be very, very light in color. We want a darker color than that. Okay? And when we're doing vegetables, we want a much l uh, lower lower um, organic content. We want a much higher organic content. We want it probably closer to 6 to 8% for most of our vegetables. Okay, and is there such a thing as too much compost? Yes, there is. And that's something that I, I fear a little bit because we've been so good at about adding compost to the soil it, uh, that we can add too much of it, too much organics to that soil. I actually remember someone bringing in a soil sample that they had sent it out for analysis because, uh, because they were concerned about it. And the organic content of that soil was 20%, but when I looked at the nutrient content, it was very, very low. And that was the reason why they were frustrated with the growing of vegetables in that soil. And when I turned to that person, they said, well, they were told that the organic content was, was, uh, was important, was, more, was the most important thing to, to, to add. Remember, I told you the organic content of soil amendments, you can focus on structure, you can improve, uh, focus on, on nutrient management, or you can focus on both. If you're adding a, a component, a uh, such as coconut coir or perlite or vermiculite, you can improve the structure. But if you don't also improve the organic, if you don't improve the fertilizer, the plant nutrient content, at the same time, you can run into problems. That's why, in some composts that are not rich, you're going to need to add fertilizer after you plant the vegetables. In some fertilizers, in some composts that are nutrient-rich to begin with, like those made from manures, you don't have to worry about that, unless it's been unless it's been uh, what's called nitrilized, or it's been having fertilizer added to that compost from plants in order to break it down that much quicker. That can also work. All I'm telling you is this: be careful of your nutrient content of the soil. Organic matter runs the whole gambit from from non-nutrient, non-rich to rich composts. It runs from improving the soil structure like perlite, vermiculite, coconut coir, peat moss without adding much nutrient content to it. Or you can add some rich composts that do both. Or you can add composts primarily plant compost, that might not have enough nutrients in it to grow the vegetables the way that you like them grown. So be careful of that. How do you know? How do you know the nutrient content without sending it to a soil testing laboratory and spending 75 to to $100 for a soil sample to be sent in? How do you know? Look at your plants. Uh, recently, we had uh, someone say that 
the nutrient content was so high in a particular soil mix that they had used for planting vegetables that nothing grew. All of the seeds or seedlings died or didn't even germinate. Well, that can happen. If the nutrient content is so high in something, that can happen. You can kill everything. It can be, what do you do in a case like that? Well, you run water through it and you put some seeds in it. Seeds and seedlings are the most sensitive to to the to high nutrient content that you can get. So some of the soil mixes can be so rich if we add too much of that rich compost to that soil that so how much are we looking at for trees and shrubs planting of trees and shrubs 20 15 20 25% is all that you're going to need. And the rich compost that can last perhaps up to 2 years because of the slow release content of the fertilizers contained in the compost. Well, in non-rich compost, that might last a growing season if you're lucky. And then you're going to have to supplement it. Look at the leaf color. Is it really dark, dark green? That's a sign that it's really rich. Is the growth that your plant is exhibiting, is it explosive in its growth? That's also a sign of high nutrient content and high watering. So be very, very careful. If you're seeing that, then hold off on your on your on your plants. If you're not seeing that, if the growth is slow and it's off color and it's not what you'd expect it, consider the possibility it might be whatever the soil mix is, it might be low in, low in nutrient content. So you can add some fertilizers to it. So look at the leaf color, look at how much new growth there is, and look at uh, if there is any new growth at all. But do some investigative look work as well. So that's about all the time I have right now. I hear the, the, the music in the background, so it's time to say goodbye. If you have any questions, contact me. Thanks. Follow me on my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's Extreme Horticulture starting with an X. All one word. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter.